The following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. I believe God has a word for us this morning, and hopefully it's going to be uh, life-shaping for us today. Um, I'm reminded of how, um, how Jesus, when He was... Uh, you know, walking through Israel with the, with the disciples, uh, he was teaching them things along the way and they were uh, experiencing life through the, through the eyes of Jesus and they, their hearts changed. Uh, he, he did all kinds of heart change along the way and it's really amazing. But one scene that really sticks out to me, um, it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Um, Jesus is, is walking to Samaria and Jewish people don't go to Samaria. They just, you just don't do it. And Jesus is like, actually, we, we do go to Samaria. We always go to Samaria. So he's taking them through Samaria, and he's sitting out at a well. Many of you know the story. And he sends the disciples into town to, to get some food. And as he's at the well, this woman comes who has a crazy past and is at the well with Jesus. And Jesus has this encounter with her and begins to speak to her and begin to speak life to her. And Jesus begins to see all the needs and the deficits and the brokenness in her life, and Jesus speaks right to it, and this woman is mesmerized. She's never met a man like Jesus, and she sees the anointing of God on him, and she begins to realize, are you the chosen one? He's the first one in the Bible. She's the first one in the Bible that he actually admits that he is, in fact, the Messiah. It's amazing, this Samaritan woman at the well. And this woman's life is being completely changed on a dime with an encounter, a conversation with Jesus. Absolutely beautiful. The least likely, life turning around completely. And what's interesting about this story is that when the disciples come back, they are confused. They don't get it. They don't know why they went to Samaria in the first place. They don't know why Jesus is talking to this Samaritan woman at the well alone. First of all, she's a Samaritan. Second of all, she's a woman. Why are you talking to her? And saying to Jesus, aren't you starving? You've been out here all day with no food. And Jesus lets them know, he says, guys, you have no idea. This is what he says to the disciples. He says, I have food that you guys know nothing about. I've got sustenance in my life. I've got this power and this this thing welling up inside of me that you guys know nothing about. And what it had to do with is Jesus speaking to this woman who others did not want to speak to and God just saying, smiling, the Father smiling on on Jesus saying that I love that woman and you went and talked to her and you spoke to her and you spoke life and Jesus who hasn't eaten in a day and he's out in the hot sun and the apostles are gone they come back and Jesus is like guys let me just tell you something I've got food you know nothing about and the reason I say this is because some of you here this morning you have a love for Jesus you have a love for Jesus and you have a devotion to him and you're learning how to follow him and this is wonderful but listen Some of you are still missing and lacking something, and I want to just tell you, he has food for you that sometimes we know not of. Food, he's got this sustenance for us that we don't know of, and it has to do with exactly what Jesus modeled. Jesus encountering people, sharing God's love, telling them about the hope and future he has, and and sharing who Jesus really is. This woman's life changed. She went back to her town and brought the whole town back with her. Revival broke out through this encounter. 
The apostles don't get it. And Jesus is like, God has got so much more for you than what meets the eye, but it doesn't come in the form of getting and receiving. That's not the way we're filled. We're filled by doing the Father's will. Isn't, do you guys realize that? We're, listen, we're filled by doing the Father's will. Now, that's, an, that's a paradox because in, in life, we think we're filled by getting filled on what we want, not doing the Father's will. That's the typical worldview. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus is telling them in a hot desert that he's got sustenance and food and fulfillment that they don't even comprehend. Where does it come from? Representing the Father and loving people right into the loving kingdom of God. Loving people into the kingdom of God is where there's food and there's sustenance that we know not of. Now, if any of you in this room have led someone to the Lord, um, you know what I'm talking about because you feel this overwhelming sense of God. That was awesome what you just did. I didn't do it. You did it, but you did it through me. And it was so cool to even be part of anything that you did. You know what I'm talking about, but sometimes you might be in a place in life where you feel like there is lack or deficit. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you're a Christ follower, if you're a believer this morning and you are sensing that lack, it may just very well be that the Father has food you know not of. And when you step into this realm of what Jesus modeled, sharing his love with other people and watching God change them in front of your very eyes, and some people, like the woman at the well, will go back and get their, they go back and get their roommate. They go back and get their coworker. They go back and get their family. They go back and get their, their town. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Um, speaking of amazing, we have an amazing leadership team here at Metro. And can we just give a round of applause for the leaders at Metro? Um, there are many unsung heroes, deacons, elders, ministry leaders here. And we just had our annual leaders meeting a couple of weeks back. And we had a powerful day together talking about vision and what God is doing in our lives and in this church collectively together this year. And we had a time of prayer and strategy, and it was really awesome. Uh, we were reminded of our, our mission here. Our mission here at Metro Church is simply knowing God and making him known. Knowing, would you guys say that? Knowing God and... One more time. Knowing God and making him known. And that is not something fabricated. That's something that kind of God's word, if you're a Christ follower and you start reading the book, you go, yeah, I, I kind of see this theme all throughout. Um, Jesus sharing this and Apostle Paul building on it and uh, the letters uh, building on this theme of knowing him better, being changed, because we get changed when we meet with God, when we, when we start walking with him and, and making him known. And, and we talk about how the church uh, oftentimes, the church in America, the church of the 21st century, has a lot of focus on knowing God. And we have a lot of avenues of, of growing and learning and uh, getting built up. And that's wonderful. Probably better access to things that we've ever had in the history of humanity, which is wonderful. But the other part, the part about making him known, is not something that seems to be a priority of of the church today, and this is the part that I'm talking about. The Father has food for you that you know not of, and when you, when you begin to say, God, I don't, you might not even know a lot about the faith, but if you're willing to share what you do know, you will begin to experience this food uh, the Father has for you. Um, and this year, our theme, our theme for our church this, this year is, is to grow, literally to grow, and this theme of growing is all through the Bible, 
uh, in the beginning of Genesis, God is talking about Adam and Eve to, to be fruitful and multiply, to cultivate the land, to grow. And, and, and all through you know, the scriptures, specifically the New Testament has so much to do with you and I growing in the Lord. And in fact, one scripture I want to uh, uh, share with you as our, just our theme to jump off this morning we have for the screen is 2 Peter um, 3.18. And this is kind of our theme for the year um, for us as a church. And this is my prayer. My prayer is that you get a fresh vision. Everyone here this morning gets a fresh vision of what this means for your life. 2 Peter 3.18 says this. It says, and, and think about this before I share this scripture. Peter, Peter the apostle, was the first one called. In scripture, it's Peter and Andrew, James and John, and on and on. But Peter... And Andrew, Peter's the first one, one called. Peter's walking with Jesus. He experiences the miraculous, seeing Jesus raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons, heal lepers. And, and he even gets to be the only one besides Jesus who ever walked on water. The only one who ever walked on water. But he also gets a bad rap because he also sunk, didn't he? We know he sunk, right? He took his eyes off Jesus, he worried, he got fearful, and he began to sunk and had to be rescued. He knows what it's like to walk on water. He knows what it's like to, to sink. He knows what it's like to cast out demons and raise the dead, but he also knows what it's like to, to deny Jesus. Ouch. But he also knows what it's like to be restored by Jesus. And he's been through so many things in life, and I just want to encourage you, Peter saw things that we can't even, Scripture says the Bible can't even contain all the things that Jesus did. Uh, we wouldn't even fit all the stories in. We have, we have the top-level stories, but we can't fit all the stories of Jesus. But Peter walked with Jesus. Peter saw and experienced the whole life and ministry of Jesus. He had this epic journey. And then after Jesus ascended, Peter, filled with the Spirit, went on for a whole other life of missions, filled with the Spirit, as did all the early church believers. Peter saw so many things. And what we have written from Peter is 1st and 2nd Peter in the Bible. And this is 2nd Peter, and it's his last book, it's his last chapter, it's actually his last verse, his last words. And if you've walked with Jesus for many years and saw face-to-face everything he did, and you know what it was like to walk on water and to sink, you know what it was like to cast out demons, raise the dead, and to deny Jesus, and to get restored, and everything you've ever experienced in your life in in mission with Jesus for the glory of God, and you had your last words, literally your last sentence, I don't know what your sentence would be to the world. In other words, if we were all to check out today, what would be your last sentence? What, What is the last thing you would leave? It's kind of an odd question, but Peter left one here, and I just wonder, what would it be for you? Would it be, should have binged more on Netflix? Would that be your last sentence? Probably not. Should have played the lotto more. No? What, what would it be? Should have watched more football. Should have picked up on more sales. It got, it got to the mall more often. Should have hit the gym more often. I, I don't know what your last words would be, but I don't think it would be any of those things. I think your last words would be so thoughtful and I think you'd be pulling from the deepest place you can possibly pull in your life and your walk and your experience with God. You would be pulling from the deepest possible source and say, God, what is the last impartation? What's the last thing I can leave here 
before checking out. Your last words that you would say before dropping the mic, so to speak, what would they be? Something to think about. But Peter, we have his words right here. This is a guy who walked with Jesus all these years, experienced so many things. And here's his words, 2 Peter 3, um, 18, which is, uh, I believe, uh, the verse for our church and our community, our faith community this year is, is this. After everything he shares, everything he says, everything he does, this is how he leaves us with his final words. But grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. His last words is, guys, grow, grow. First of all, grow. My last words to you, Peter would say, is grow. I have nothing else to tell you, no matter what else I told you before, but regardless to everything I just said, but grow. Number one, grow. Commit to growing. Don't ever stop growing. The day we stop growing is the day we start dying. It's been said that Christianity is like a slippery pole. We're either climbing up or sliding down. We don't just hang out and go, I'm good. I'm going to hang out here with Jesus. I'm not moving forward. I'm not going. I'm just going to, because pretty soon what you do is you find out that we are slowly, I, this is just the, the reality in faith. We press on to the prize of the upward call. We lean in with our faith by nature. We press on and we walk by faith. We don't hang on because we'll find ourselves dripping back, drifting back. Peter says, listen, my last words for you are to grow. Whatever you do, grow and grow two ways. Grow in knowledge and grow in grace. Both grow in knowledge and grow in grace. We're very familiar with the principle of growing in knowledge, and that's what we do, Bible studies and reading the Word or listening to podcasts. We're growing in knowledge, and that's wonderful, and we should. We should be devoted to growing in knowledge. It's epic, it's important, it's monumental, it's life-changing when we, when we grow in knowledge. We need to. But he also says, not just knowledge, grow in grace. And grace is a completely different category than knowledge. Knowledge we can be good at. Grace is something that you can be a scholar. You could be a scholar and not grow in grace. Grace is something completely different. He doesn't say grow in either one. He says grow in knowledge and in grace. And when we grow in grace, we begin to grow in, the, in, in understanding the love of God, His graciousness. When we, when we experience His grace, when we experience His mercy, when we begin to walk in God's love, when we begin to share His love and His mercy with others, which is not knowledge, it's growing in grace. When we begin to do that, we begin to become powerful sons and daughters of God. Our walk with Jesus begins to get empowered, begin to get anointed for greater things because we're growing, uh, not in ignorance, we're growing in knowledge, but we're growing in grace and we're representing well. And that's what Jesus spent a lot of time with the disciples showing them not just the knowledge, the grace. Everyone around Jesus um, was like, where did he come from and what is he doing? And he's modeling grace to them. And he's, they're understanding this. this is important for us. So, so this year as a church, I believe this is our theme, the commitment to grow in knowledge and to grow in grace. And today we're going to be looking really briefly at three categories. To grow in knowledge and grace, you personally. For you personally, for me personally, for us collectively to grow in knowledge and grace. This has got to be a commitment, to grow in knowledge and grace. And for you to grow as a leader, and I'm using the word leader synonymous with a disciple. How many of you know all the disciples were leaders? Lead wherever you're at. Wherever you're at, that's where you lead. Wherever you're at, God's given you an, some degree of influence, and leadership is influence, and God's given you influence. And you let your light shine, you be the salt of the earth, wherever you're at, 
I don't care if you're a doorkeeper in the house of God. It doesn't matter if you're whatever you're doing. You lead where you're at, and that's what disciples do. So grow personally, grow as a leader, and then I believe God's calling us to grow as a church. And I want to hit on all three of these briefly today, but the first point is this, guys. For you to grow personally in knowledge and grace, the first point is this this morning. Make the commitment of meet with God. Meet with God. Would you say that with me? Literally meet with God. See, meeting with God, you grow in knowledge and you grow in grace at the same time when you meet with God. Uh, meeting with God is, is making the commitment to, to devotions in your life. Uh, devotions in your life have to be, it can't be like, well, if I get around to it and today I was a little tired or I was running a little late. Listen, meeting with God has got to be a priority for you and for me and for all of us. This is where it all begins. Uh, so much of what Jesus did came from meeting with the Father. He modeled it with the, with the disciples, and it's so imperative for you and I to literally meet with God as, a, as an absolute commitment. And this can't be a passive thing. This can't be, if I feel like it, I will. Uh, we'll never grow in knowledge and grace or be used by God uh, in the way we were designed to if we don't make this commitment to meet with God. And when you meet with God in your personal time, it's time in prayer, it's time in your word, it's time sitting and listening to God, it's time in worship where God inhabits your praises and you literally meet with God. But when we do these sort of things, we grow in knowledge and grace and it changes really our whole life. If you meet with God in the morning as a committed devotion, your whole day will go differently. And you know, because if you're like me and you got halfway through the day and you go, okay, let me, you know, read the word or pray now, you realize that there's probably, has anybody realized the front half of the day didn't go the way it should? Can I get a witness, right? But you meet with God in the morning, he's got you. He's got you in the right disposition. He's got you in the right heart condition. He's got you with your spiritual eyes wide open and you navigate life in a whole different way in God's presence. So number one is meet Meet with God. That's, that's important. And the second one is this. Um, I highly encourage you guys to do this. Is prayerfully find a mentor. This is what discipleship is. Uh, prayerfully find a mentor. This is something um, you don't see uh, as often today or even spoken about today. But you see modeled in the church all the time. Jesus sent people out in twos. Um, Jesus, you know, discipled the 12 and discipled the 70. There's 120 in the upper room. Uh, you see Paul with Silas and Silas with Timothy or Barnabas and Luke. And you see this, these tag teams all the time where there's a mentorship model of pouring into others. And I would encourage you guys, uh, we all need this. Um, none of us have arrived. Um, and and when, you, when you do this, um, I think where you begin is pray about who you spiritually look up to. Pray about who seems to bear fruit spiritually in their life that seems to model the fact that they have grown in knowledge and in grace. And if they seem to be growing in knowledge and in grace, you go, I like their walk. I, I see the way they approach things, their demeanor, their disposition. It shows me spiritual maturity. I like what they have. I wonder if they're willing to sit down and talk to me a little bit, some measurable amount of time. Can we grab a coffee on a Thursday or can we meet on a, you know, not some wide open thing where it's hard to quantify what the commitment would be, but to respect someone's time and say, would you mind meeting with me? And you get to bounce some things off. And this is a time where you get to ask some questions, you bring up some scriptures, uh, you tell somebody what you need prayer for. Uh, this is a great time to get mentored or discipled, so to speak, with somebody more uh, experienced in the faith. And this is something that we don't see very often. Because as connected as we are socially, 
and digitally, I found that we're oftentimes very disconnected in reality. Uh, there's a lot of statistics today with greater social connection, online social connection, but a greater disconnect and depression. Did you know that? Disconnect and depression. At the same time, this other one's gone up. So uh, the social connection, the digital connection, doesn't actually equate to true relationship. And I would say scripturally, um, this is just something we're supposed to do, disciples that make disciples. And I would encourage you, ask someone to mentor you. Um, Another thing is if you... uh, you know, another way to get to grow in the faith profoundly is, um, you know, listening to podcasts. And I would encourage you to find your favorite teachers, your favorite um, Christian leadership, whether it's in the areas of worship or whatever the, the area of your desire to grow in the faith is. Find somebody spiritually ahead of you because that's the best way to grow. You can grow while you're driving down the road in your car. We said at our leadership meeting that your car could be a seminary. Your car can be a seminary while you're listening to podcasts or doing things like that, just passively taking in uh, this, this uh, form of discipleship. It's pretty, pretty amazing. can be some of the best training you get. Um, another thing I just want to encourage some of you this morning, some of you have been in the faith longer. Some of you might be newer in the faith, and you're at a point where um, trying to understand Scripture, explain it to me, show it to me, and that's wonderful, and that's exactly what we do on Sundays and midweeks. Um, but some of you... Some of you have been in the faith longer. And if you're in the faith longer, if we're going to be a community who knows God and makes him known, if we're going to be that community we're called to be, some of you that are in the faith longer, it's very, very imperative, and I mean this in sincere love, and I don't mean this in a a negative critique, but I have to just say this. We have to be able to self-feed. Amen? Self-feed. Um, because if you're in the faith for any length of time, we can't say, well, I'm not really being, what? Well, I'm not really being, okay. The first thing a baby learns is to feed itself, right? First they throw their food and then there is no food and they go, I'm not throwing my food anymore. Um, and, and a baby learns to feed themselves. They might be sloppy with it, but they learn. And so we help them, we help them along. And same with us, when we're new and young in the faith, we don't know, we don't get it. We don't understand correctly dividing the word of truth. And that's great. And, and so we come under some level of teaching and level of training and we begin to understand. And, and, uh, but at some point, if you've moved along in the faith and you've been in the faith for any length of time, we do have to, as a discipline, as a discipline, that's what disciples are. We follow the disciplines of Jesus. That's what discipleship is about. We have to learn to self-feed, and here's why, guys. Because God is calling you to self-feed so that you can help feed. God is calling you to self-feed so that you can help feed. Because it's not all about just being fed our whole life. This, that, when we look at it that way, we get to the American 21st century version of Christianity. Give me, I want better worship, I want better teaching, I want, and I want, and I want, and we, we're like, we forgot that the mission is knowing him, but making him known. And if we're going to step into this realm of making him known, if we're going to step into this realm of the Father giving us food that others don't know about, it's going to take learning to self-feed so that we can help feed. Because many of you in this room... God is calling you to begin to help feed. And if that's you, you know it. You've been in the faith a long time. You have a solid understanding of Scripture. I'm going to remain a student of the Word for the rest of my life. 
I've been in this book for, you know, almost, you know, 28 years, 30 years, and I'm going to stay a student of this word for the rest of my life. Amen? For the rest of my life. It's, spirit, it's living, active, sharper than a two-edged sword. It's spirit-breathed. This, this is our litmus test for everything. Life and godliness, right? Let the spirit lead you, and the book will discern it. But here's the deal. Some of you have been camped out in this for a while, and some of you have a really good understanding, a well-rounded understanding of God's full counsel. Guess what? Self-feed so you can help feed because it's time to start helping to feed. Do you realize that? We got a lot of starving people in our city. Do you realize that? Do you realize that? We got a lot of starving people in our city. And it's time that we help feed uh, because I believe God has us in a season where there's some interesting and new and creative ways to begin to help feed that we haven't seen exercised before. So I believe God is calling many of you in this room to self-feed uh, so that you can help feed. But uh, the third point this morning, if you're a note taker, and we're going to jump into two more scriptures here that are very powerful. Our third point is, is prayerfully, prayerfully become a mentor. Some of you who have been camped out and you're more mature in the faith, we see this in Timothy Titus mentoring those who are younger, this principle in scripture of, listen, if, if, if you're further along, you're supposed to tag someone and help them along. Do you realize that? Um, Saved people, save people, amen? Okay, restored people, restored people. Freed people, free people. Delivered people, deliver people. Fed people, feed people, amen? People who have received grace, grant grace. Freely you've been given, freely what? Freely give. And this is the premise of scripture when we start to grow in the faith. When we grow in knowledge and grace, these are some of the evidences. So, For some of you this morning, prayerfully become a mentor. How do you prayerfully become a mentor? How many many of you guys would agree that some things in this faith faith are taught, but some things are caught? Anybody agree with that? Some things are taught and some things are caught. So some things are taught and we get a little academic and we break down understanding of what God meant and what he said and why he said it and how it applies to our life. And this is wonderful and it's essential. But some things are caught. And that's why we grow in knowledge and we grow in grace because the grace stuff is what you catch, amen? You catch the grace stuff. It's a hard thing to academically learn and study grace and go, I totally get it, it makes sense. But when you walk with Jesus, you begin to experience grace and go, oh, so that's what Jesus meant, especially when it affects your own heart and the kingdom of God. You begin to grow in this. And so a lot of things in the kingdom of God are, are understood through experience, not man-made experience, but biblical experience. And I would encourage you this morning um, that, that some things are caught and some of you, it's time, it's time to pray about stepping into some degree of mentorship. And this is where you tag somebody and say, pray about who? And we're going to see this modeled in scripture. Jesus modeled this perfectly for us, that you pray, God, who are you shaping and molding and who is ready to step up to another level? Who is working at this level, but you're calling them because you have, you have greater plans, you want to use them in greater ways, and I want to work with you, God. I want, to be, I want to work on this food that others don't know about, God. I want to lock in with your plan and your model and your love and, and discipleship the way you see it. Who, God, who should I tag and encourage that I can help take them along um, if they are so willing uh, to do. In fact, I think we have a, um, a graphic because uh, the first picture we have is today's version of discipleship. This is what it looks like today. Um, got a picture here of, uh, this is the way we do it. 
you know, you got the classroom, and I love this because you can look at the, uh, on these guys' faces. Some are, you know, throwing spit wads, and some of them are playing with their pencil. Uh, some of them are cheating over here, copying each other's notes. And uh, <laughs> this is the way we do things in the church often today. Academically speaking, we sit down and we go through studies. Wonderful, essential to grow in knowledge. But this would be our version of discipleship today, growing in knowledge. But we have another picture, and we see what it looks like to grow in grace a little bit. Um, and this is where Jesus walks along, and they're rubbing each other side by side. And they're going through life, through meals, through questions, through challenges, through experience. And they're working out everything they learned academically growing in knowledge. They actually worked out the experience in a biblical way. And both are life-changing, but this is profoundly life-changing. And if we just do it academically growing in knowledge and we don't grow in grace, I don't think we're going to be very effective as ministers. We'll be knowledgeable. But as ministers, it's imperative that you and I grow in, in grace. And that's an, an amazing... So how does, Jesus, how does Jesus end up identifying a crew that are even willing to grow down this road of growing in grace together? How do you find, like, you don't pull people along. They don't pull us along. We, we can't drag people into this. People can't drag us into this. But how are we as Christ followers, how do we find like-minded community to, to walk down this road together and to grow in knowledge and grace together? How? Well, let's see how Jesus did it. And I think that's the best way for us to model how to do that. So Luke chapter 6, um, verse 12 and 13, we have it for the screen. But this is how Jesus did it. And I think there's something for us to glean on this too. Again, some of our leaders went through some of these principles and I think it's important to share with you this morning as this is a theme of growing for our church this year. Luke 6, 12 says, One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountain to pray and spent the night praying to God. And when morning came, he calls his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also designated apostles. So he goes up and he prays on this hill and he says, Father, there's a whole lot of options here. Who? Who is ready? Who should I ask to step out? Who should I pour into? Because he can't pour into everybody at the same time. At a certain level he can, but not intimately. And the father begins to tell him who. And it's monumental that he prays and comes down and he knows exactly who. But verse 17 says something really powerful been reading the word for a long time, and this one really kind of hit me. Verse 17 says this, that when Jesus prayed, and when Jesus called these guys out, and when he came down from the hill, it says that he went down with them and stood on a level place. Everybody say a level place. I've been reading that for years, and it never jumped out at me, but Jesus goes on the hill with the Father. This is Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah. God, tell me who. The Father says who. He comes down and says, hey, I sense the Father's got a call on your life and in 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 your life. I sense the Father wants you to grow. You want to take a step this way with me. And they have to sense in their heart, yes, this is what I've been praying for too. Yes, this isn't conjured up. This isn't, you know, and, and they bear witness with it and they come. And it says that Jesus came to a, a level place with them. The level place isn't necessarily that, that, that student classroom thing that we see. It's coming alongside people and walking down the road with them. He came on a level place, started looking them in the eye at this level. He wasn't speaking down to them. He came to them at a very tangible level that they could get and they could relate to. He could break it down to them 
and they simply got it. God is calling you and I to do the same thing. Some of you are called to start mentoring others. Discipling others is what the word would use the term. Today we use it as mentors. Some people get loose and start calling life coach, which might be, a, could be anything that you think of. But if you're going to coach people in life and godliness, amen, isn't that what scripture wants us to do? Coach people in life. God's given us everything we need for life and godliness. Are you helping someone else with life and godliness? If you are, maybe you're a life coach too, but we have a, a playbook of scripture is what we use, the word of God and the spirit of God to help people along in mentorship. And, and this is what God is calling some of us to do in this room. And this is where it, where it starts. If Jesus did it this way, I believe we should do it the same. Uh, I would say you know that you are growing in grace and in knowledge. You know that you're growing in knowledge and grace when you begin to spur others on to love and good deeds. When you begin like a billows of a fire, when you're spurring others on to love and good deeds, you're not just growing in knowledge, you're growing in grace. You're stepping into the work. You're, you're doing what Jesus told you to do. You're stepping into a level of maturity, of mentorship, of spurring others on. You're stepping into a level of not just knowing God, but making him known. It's not just a, a vertical relationship, us and God. It's horizontal, God's love through you to others. And um, that's an important part of the kingdom that, again, is oftentimes missing in the 21st century American church. We focus a lot on me and God, my blessing, my life, my gift, my favor, my whatever it might be. God help me with my stuff, and I get it. That's a base root understanding of the faith. But when you start walking with Jesus and you start reading the book on a deeper level and sensing the spirit what God is calling us to do. It's knowing God and it's making him known. It's having food that others don't know about. It's walking in the bigger stuff, the mature stuff. It's mentoring others. It's praying about who. And it's uh, stepping into this kind of stuff. So this is really important. You get to prepare people for works of service. You get to step into these kind of things. This is really important. So this is how we grow, not only individually, but we begin to grow in, as leaders. We begin to grow in, in discipleship. This is when disciples make disciples. See, Jesus said in the Great Commission, he said, uh, all authority has been given to me and now I'm sending you go. Go baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. And so Jesus is saying, I'm calling you I'm going to make you into something. And the evidence that you're a disciple is that you go and make what? Wait, I'm going to call, I'm going to follow me. I'm going to make you a disciple. The evidence that you're a disciple is that you're going to make disciples. And so the evidence of discipleship is that we make disciples. And again, this is something missing from the church today. Oftentimes it's what I like and I like those kind of messages and I like that kind of music and I like that. And I get it. I totally get it. But then we step beyond that. We start to self-feed so we can feed others. We start to spur others on. We start to mentor others. We start to step into the bigger stuff in God's kingdom, the bigger stuff. And God is calling some of you in the room, and this is a word for you, to step into it because you know you've been prepared. You know you've been walking with him a while, and you know you're ready for this, but there's an internal reluctance, and I don't think it's from the Lord. I think it's our own fears of what it would like to step into this. This is really, really important. Uh, it's time for some of you, like the Apostle Paul, to say, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. And that doesn't mean any of us have it down. It doesn't mean any of us have arrived. It simply means 
I've been walking with Jesus longer than this guy over here. And God loves this guy. And God's teaching me how to love this guy. Love him enough to tell him the truth and love him into the kingdom and say, hey, can I put my hand out? Can I help you out a little bit? Come on, walk with me a little bit. And, and you begin to grow in knowledge and grace. You start walking alongside somebody. And as you do, you start spurring them into love and good needs. You help them grow in knowledge and in grace. You, you begin to model, follow me as I follow Christ. See, he doesn't understand the Apostle Paul or what he did, and he didn't see Jesus face to face, but he sees you. And and ladies, there's other gals in your life, especially this works great gender specific, because ladies, you understand ladies better than the men do, and men do, and we can call each other out on challenges and encouragement and share areas of truth that can be very specific um, to struggles that each of us have, and to be able to say, listen, I understand where you're at, and I know why you're thinking it, but let me show you a more excellent way, amen? Isn't that what the apostle saw? Paul says? I understand what you're thinking, but let me show you a more excellent way, and this is what mentorship and, and discipleship is, uh, is really, really all about. And so, um, Matthew 4, 19, is, if we're going to know God and make him known, we have to understand this from the very beginning. This is the heart of God. It's really the, the mission for the church. It's really not a man-made mission. It's kind of a God-given mission. Um, but Jesus said in Matthew 4, 19, from the very beginning, remember he called Peter first, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, from the very beginning, he said, come and, come and follow me. Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I am gonna make you fishers of men. If you follow me, Jesus said, I am going to make you into something that you're not. If you follow me, I'm going to make you. If you follow me, I'm going to make you. If you follow me, I'm going to help change some things. I'm going to help change your heart, shape it, mold it, conform it. If you follow me, I'm going to make you into something that you're not. And that is specifically a fisher of men. That is specifically someone who when you walk with me, you go out and lead others to me. That's what a fisher of men is. A fisher of men, a fisher of women, a fisher of children. Um, and these guys were fishermen. They fully understood what this context was. Um, and so come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now here's the deal. Jesus expects followers to be fishers. Jesus expects followers to be fishers. And that's what he said with discipleship 101. This is where it all begins. Follow me and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And what's interesting today is, is, is this idea of following. We, many of us would go, absolutely, I'm a follower of Jesus. There's no other way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I get that. I want to pose a, a question to you today, and you don't have to raise your hand to answer this, but ask this in your own heart. I am a follower, but am I a fisher? I am a follower, but am I a fisher? And the reason that's important, in the heart of Jesus, they're synonymous. If you are a follower, I actually make you a fisher. Even if you're not yet, I make you one. I help you, I conform you, I shape you, I, I help you understand the burden. I help you, uh, I lead you to who is ready because I've been working on hearts and all kinds of people that you don't know about. Uh, God's working on hearts while we're sleeping. He's working on hearts of your family members, uh, loved ones, neighbors, coworkers. Uh, he's working on hearts at people at Trader Joe's or at the gym. You don't know it, but he is. And if we get together with him, he's going to go, Psst, 
that guy at the gym right there, that girl in that grocery line. Don't take that line, take that line. But that's the long line, Lord. <laughs> yeah, she's frustrated. Take that line. Okay, we'll take that line. And you get up and you just look someone in the eye and you share God's love. And you know what? Somebody might just break down in tears right there in the grocery store. Can I pray for you? How did that even happen? Just simply you had an ear to heaven and you said, Father, you love the whole world and you love the people in this grocery line right now. Which one? He'll say, line number seven. Got it, Lord. And you can go to line number seven because God knows whose hearts he's working on. And this is leveling up. This is food that others know not of. And I'm just telling you, it brings a fulfillment and a joy in your life to partner with God on these levels. And it, there's so many voids I even see in the lives of Christians that aren't necessary because this is spiritual food others know not of. I'm a follower, but am I a fisher? Because followers are supposed to be fishers of men. Followers are supposed to be fishers. So write this one down. Our fourth point this morning is this. As I grow as a follower, I will grow as a fisher. According to Jesus, this is his plan. His, this is God's will for your life. As I grow as a follower, I will grow as a fisher. And the thing about this as a follower, the, the beautiful thing, the woman at the, the well that we re- referenced earlier in John chapter uh, 4, that woman was a brand new follower. She just encountered Jesus. Jesus told her some things about her. She knew, I don't know much about him, but I think I just found the Messiah. And this follower became a fisher immediately. She went back and got the whole town and brought the whole town back to Jesus. So you don't have to be a follower for many years with many, you know, 20 years of Bible study and all kinds of, you know, uh, you know seminary degree to, to do this. This woman at the well modeled it beautifully. She was the least likely to receive the grace, according to others. She was the first one to receive the grace very intentionally by Jesus. She immediately, as a follower, became a fisher. And I think it's a beautiful snapshot of what it's all about. Uh, and many of you know this because many of you in this room, if you came to faith as an adult, um, you know sometimes there's that excitement where there's this newfound love for God and you're excited to share it. And sometimes over time, uh, we get a little more seasoned in our faith, we get a little more tempered in our faith, and we get a little bit more rational in our faith, and we stop sharing faith the, may, the way we maybe did early on. And I believe God is calling us back to, to see and to understand Uh, this is really important. But as I grow as a follower, I will grow as a fisher. Uh, The last thing I want to share with you guys, and this is important, God has everyone here for such a time as this. It is by no accident that you're in this city of angels. How many of you know this is supposed to be a city of angels? City of angels. Angels, by definition, proclaim. Do you know that? Angels, by definition, proclaim. Serve the living God and proclaim the message of the living God. That's what angels do historically. They serve God, do the work of God, and proclaim on behalf of God. That's what angels do historically. That's what they've always done. And our city is called the city of angels. But our city has not proclaimed and broadcast God's message very well, have we? But that's what a city of angels is. God has a plan for our city. God wants to do great things in our city. And God has you in this city, second biggest city in the nation, and arguably the most influential city on planet Earth, arguably, because we create more content in our city that we put on display for the whole world, whether it's through the web or whether it's through TV or through movies, 
A lot of stuff is done here, thought of here, put together here, formulated here, financed here, shot here, edited here, and distributed from here. Oftentimes, much of it is from our city right here. This is arguably the most influential city on the planet. But this city um, is, is not alive in the spirit. Our city is, is not alive in the things of God. Our city is working and aiming at other things rather than uh, come sustenance from, from what God has to offer. And this is amazing passage uh, in Ezekiel 47. I believe it's a prophetic passage and I believe it's a passage for us in Los Angeles here and now. Some of you know this passage, some of you don't. Uh, but if you can turn there, if you have your Bible or on your device, Ezekiel 47, we have it for the screen here. And I, I believe it speaks to our time as well as it did for Ezekiel uh, in his time. And this is what it says uh, as Ezekiel is being shown by the Lord something profoundly powerful and prophetic. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and sent me in the middle of a valley, how many of you know we're in the middle of the valley this morning, sent me in the middle of a valley and it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great and many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied. As I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. The bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, breath from the four winds, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Can I get a witness? Does anybody feel like that's our city this morning? There is a vast valley of dry bones, and you stand among them. You walk among them. You drive among them. You work among them. You live among them, because they are not alive in the spirit so they're halfway alive and halfway dead. Unless you're born again, unless you're made new by the Spirit, then people are only living half a life. They're not even alive. You are working with people that are half alive and half dead at the same time. We are surrounded by a valley of dry bones. And what he told them is, I want you to see it first because you can't do anything about it unless you see it. And my prayer is, if you're going to walk in the fullness of your mission, you have to see it first. If you don't see the burden, you can't walk out the solution. If you don't see the burden, if you don't see it in the spirit for what it really is, you can't start stepping into it. And I just want to encourage you, you are surrounded by a valley of dry bones. And we are in the middle of this valley of dry bones, but God has a solution. First of all, it's seeing it. 
Second of all, it's believing what God says. Does God love this valley of dry bones? Let me ask you again. Does God love this valley of dry bones? God so loved the whole world, including this valley of dry bones. God loves this valley of dry bones. And that's why he says, speak to it. Speak to this. See what I'm showing you. Believe what I'm telling you. Stand in the middle of it and speak to it because I want to raise up a vast army because I love these people even though they're spiritually dead. And so he tells them to stand in the middle of dry bones. And that's our last point this morning if you want to write it down is God wants me to speak to this valley of dry bones because he does. At the gym, you're doing sets next to somebody who's half alive and half dead. In the line at Trader Joe's, you're with someone who's half alive and half dead. You might have people in your own family that are half alive and half dead. They're alive in the natural, but they're dead in the spirit. You might be neighbors and co-workers and pray about who, like Jesus did, he got on the hill and it's like, show me who. And you start stepping in and you start to prophesy. And prophesy is simply this. You, you, you might say, well, I don't feel like a prophet. I don't even know what, what to do about prophets. Listen, prophecy is speaking forth the heart of God. And speaking forth the heart of God is this. God so loved the whole world, amen? The whole world, including this valley of dry bones, God loved the whole world. He loved the world so much, he sent his son. And Jesus died for the sins of the world, including this valley, and for you and I to engage people and begin to share God's love and say, God's got a better way. But I gotta tell you, the thing that blocks us and God, everyone on the planet, the the, the very thing that blocks us And God Almighty, no matter what you think, what you feel, or what you heard, it's our stuff. All of our stuff, our sin, our falling short, our mess. We all got it. Let's not act like we don't. That's what blocks it. And there's only one, there's only one who takes it all away. And it's not Buddha, Gandhi, Krishna, Muhammad, any of those guys that didn't even even try to go there. But Jesus said, I came to take away the sins of the world. I take it all away. I take it away all for you so you can be in relationship with the Father. And this is where you come alive because when Jesus takes us away, he begins to put his spirit inside of people and then the spirit of God is living in them and they come alive. The Bible says it's new life, it's new birth. And this is where it begins. And this is where people begin to walk with Jesus and understand the things of the kingdom and understand growing in knowledge and grace and understand eternal things and truths and, and spiritual things that matter, the things that have eternal perspective. But in the meantime, there's all these dry bones and a living God who loves them. And what's missing is someone to step in and speak. And here's the beauty. When you step in and speak, we leave the rest to God. We don't convert a soul, God does. The spirit begins to draw people. But listen, since the beginning of time, and this would be great if the worship team comes up, from the beginning of time, God has been using people like you and I to step up, to speak up. And that's essentially what prophecy is. It's speaking forth the heart of God. It might be sharing a scripture with somebody. If you look at someone and you love them and you care about them and you look them in the eyes and you speak to their heart and you share a scripture with them, that's prophesying. You're speaking forth the word of God. You're speaking forth the heart of God into somebody's life. And what's gonna happen when you do, because God is gonna meet you here, because you're working in God's will. You're being a disciple who's making disciples. You're being a follower who's becoming a fisher. You're knowing God and you're making him known. You're self-feeding so you can feed others. When you begin to step into this realm, You know what you're going to hear? If you listen carefully, you're going to hear a sound. 
And that sound is the sound of dry bones beginning to rattle. As you speak and you prophesy and you pray for loved ones and people you care about, you're going to hear a sound and it's dry bones. And these dry bones, so to speak, figuratively begin coming together. And all of a sudden, you're going to say to people as they come together, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he lo- he's the lover of your soul and loves you more than you've been pursuing you forever. And they're going to sense, because God's doing a work on the inside, they're going to sense it's time and God is calling them out of darkness into this wonderful light. And when they do, you just say, hey, listen, the solution is simply Jesus. When we're ready to give him all our stuff and let him to take it all away and simply turn and follow the best we can, it is at that place of accepting and acknowledging his lordship It is at that place, it is at that point in life, that intersection of our faith and reason where we go, you are who you say you are, it is time. We step up, we give him our stuff, he takes it all away. He puts his spirit in us. And all of a sudden, it's like this passage, we hear the bones rattling and he says, speak and breath. The breath of God, the wind of the Holy Spirit begins to light them up and they become from dead to life. You get to be part of it. And God placed you here in this valley of dry bones for you to become part of his glorious solution, for you to see the dead come to life. I don't know about you, but if there's any miracle that Jesus ever did, out of all the miracles that Jesus did, if you were able to do one of those miracles, out of all the miracles, walking on the water or casting out a demon, out of all the miracles Jesus did, I don't know which one you would choose to do, but I hope it would be, I want to see the dead come to life, amen? That would be the coolest one to me. Walking on water is cool, and that's cool, and that's cool, and sending out the... But seeing the dead come alive, that would actually be the coolest. God is calling you, and me, and us as a church, to step into this prophecy of Ezekiel 47, to see a valley of dry bones and recognize it first, Sense the burden of the Father. I care about them. Pray, speak, listen for the rattling. Step into it and speak the things of the Spirit that people would come to life, which is only available through Jesus Christ. I want to, I want to encourage you guys. This is what God is calling us to do. And uh, let's close in prayer. I want to ask God to seal some of these things in our heart. Mighty God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of it, God. I believe you made us all for such a time as this. It is no accident. It is not happenstance that we're in this city at this time for specific reasons, God. But sometimes we're doing our own thing and we're not locked into purpose. We're not locked into your will. We're not locked into your heart all the way. But I pray today would be a day where you get our attention wide open, God. You got our ears wide open, our hearts wide open. God, you would do a new work in us, God, that we would begin to step into the very things you made us for. You called us into relationship, but not exclusively. You called everyone around us in, but sometimes we're not even involved in that. I pray today, God, that we would be followers who become fishers, God. I pray we would know you as we do, as we grow in knowledge and grace, but we would also make you known, God. I pray that we'd step into every realm in this valley of dry bones and we would see it for what it is, lacking life because there's no life outside of you, God. You are love and you offer life and you're the only way, truth, and life, God, and people are not alive outside of you, Jesus. I pray we would see it 
I pray we would sense the burden. I pray we would pray it up. I pray, God, you show us who to step up to in love and love them and share with them and speak to them. And we will hear the bones begin to rattle. As you begin to rattle bones, God, we get excited. Look what God is doing. The Spirit is moving among us and bones are beginning to rattle. And we love the sound of bones beginning to rattle. And God, we would continue to step in and pray and move forward and begin to prophesy and share the gospel, share our testimony, show people how you take, Lord, things that are not and establish, how you take away hearts of stone and you give us hearts of flesh, how you give us fresh starts and new beginnings and eternal life and freedom and forgiveness now and life in the spirit now, God. And we begin to step in these things and we would see you right before our very eyes. Breathe breath, breathe breath into the nostrils of men and women all over this city. And this city would become a city of angels that it was designed to be, God. We'd be people who proclaim, people who speak up, people who testify and serve you, God, and that you would redeem our city in glorious ways. We love you, God. We thank you for these things. We ask them in Jesus' name. God's people said. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.